Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. One of the, I wouldn't say it's a mistake necessarily, but one of the things I see creative entrepreneurs doing consistently is assuming that they know what their potential client or customer thinks about the value of what they offer. And they make all of these assumptions that ultimately lead a really messy like blueprint for how they have to get over their own mind stuff to price their products and services. Today on the podcast, we want to talk about what really makes up the value of what you offer? And how do your potential clients or customers see what you offer? Because I'm not sure that those two are the same thing. And so we want to talk and break down what really goes into pricing, packaging, and where people find the most value. I think this is going to be really eye-opening for you. So if you struggle with what you put your dollar ticket item on, this is going to be the episode for you. Yeah. And I also see not only in regards to pricing and what's included in packages or even digital products like courses and stuff, but us as the creator of whatever it is, deciding whose responsibility it is as in either it's all our responsibility or it's all our client or customer's responsibility to see X results or to get X benefit or whatever it might be. Some of that is like, I feel like really clear depending on the service that you offer. Like if you don't do this thing, you're not going to get it. But I feel like as creators of the things, we put so much pressure on ourselves and also wrap up our identity and our self-worth with the results that our clients and customers are getting. And we also like bring that really strongly into our feelings of validation of whether that product is good or not. And that's a big unlearning that we've been doing over the past couple of years because it's definitely something we have have fallen into. I've seen the conversation pop up recently about 
specifically more on the courses side, but in a lot of spaces, even for service-based businesses, of really deciding like, how can we provide the utmost value, but also who's deciding what that value is? No, for sure. So one of the things I want to just like throw out there and then we'll like get into the weeds with this is there is unfortunately and fortunately a big difference between tangible products and services or digital goods that have you're like providing a service, you're providing something that someone can't necessarily hold because the way the market decides to value those things are inherently very different. And also there's a really wide range. So what we're not going to talk about today is pricing a physical product. We've definitely dived into this before. And I will tell you, there is a lot that goes into it. You definitely need to understand your cost of goods sold. You need to understand how much time it takes you to produce the product or manufacture the product. It also makes sense to understand what the market will bear. What is the standard for a certain industry? But there's also so much variation in that. We've talked about you could have a handmade product that's $10 or $100. And there could be no difference in the actual quality of that item. But that doesn't mean there isn't room in the market for it. We're not talking about that today. We're talking about things where you can't see what's going on. And the result tends to be sometimes pretty unrelated to what you're actually selling. And so it leaves a lot of like, mysteriousness, perhaps to how you should move forward. Because this applies still to services that might have a combination of service, something that you can't see that you're providing and a physical good. So like I'm remembering as a photographer, the reason why I was able to have such high prices wasn't because the prints I provided, the canvases I provided, the albums I provided were like made of gold. That's not where the price increased it was the actual experience and service I was providing on the front end, on the selling end, in every other aspect of our time together. And those products were priced accordingly to what they cost me or the value that they had for that customer within the total package. But even if you include physical goods within your service, this still applies to you. Yes, especially because... I think there's just a much wider range of what you could charge versus if you're putting a planner out there, there's a range and there's a cap. The amount of money I charge for like an eight by 10 print as a photographer, because I pulled it all a cart from my packages to like show the value, like the print might've cost me like literally like 75 cents. But if you wanted to buy just one eight by 10 from me, I think it was like, $75 or something like that. I believe it. Well, and there's a lot more that goes into it, but that's a story for another day. So let's talk about value. Okay. So I think when we are early in our business and everyone goes through this into their own kind of like wave of stages. And I think a lot of it's mindset related. I see the biggest tendency when we're starting out to want to price based on the amount of time it takes to complete something. I hate this formula. It's really inaccurate. Because what it means, guys, is if you start with this formula, that means the better you get at something, the less money you make. So explain that. Because I understand what you're saying. But like for the people in the back, tell me what you mean by that. 
Okay. So, and this can apply to physical products too, because some people apply this part of the formula to how to price a physical product. How much time does it take for you to edit those photos, for you to design that website, for you to make that brand, for you to coach that client, whatever it might be, right? Chances are the more you do that thing, the more you design that beautiful Squarespace website, the more clients you serve offering that thing, the better you're going to get, the faster you're going to get, the more efficient you're going to get, the better skill set you're going to have. You're going to learn more. You're going to try new things. Your Squarespace is going to also improve. Whatever the thing is, that's how technology and skill sets work. So if you continue to use the formula of I make X dollar amount every hour, that hour of time it takes you to do that website day one is going to be significantly less day 300. So if you continue to use that exact same formula, the amount of money you make goes down. I don't like that. Because you're becoming more efficient. Now, technically, if you really were tied to this method, you could increase your rate at compensating for the time difference. But then you end up having... That messes with people's headspace, right? Where they're like okay, but it's only taking me 30 minutes to do something. I should charge $3,000 for 30 minutes. No, I know. It's hard to wrap your head around that. And that's why you have to divorce this method. Okay. It's painful. It's messy. Cancel culture this method. (laughs) Okay. You need to start thinking about value for both yourself and for your client. Okay. What does this client need to bring you? Let's start there because people aren't thinking about this. What can you realistically accomplish in a month, in a week? How many people can you realistically work with? What does this business need to provide to you? We've talked about this before, but like if you reasonably can only work with three to five clients a month and this is your full-time job, you best believe you need to be charging accordingly. Well, and I love working backwards in that way anyways. The way that I like presenting and designing packages, if, if I were offering services right now, this is exactly how I would do it. Is I would identify what is that number, right? If I want to quit my job, if I want to replace an income, if I want to just make a certain amount of money per year, me personally make that, then how much does my business need to make? What are my expenses? What are my costs? Blah, blah, blah. Like do all of the math, right? To find, okay, realistically, if I can work with four people, what would I need to charge? What is that number? It might feel outlandish when you work backwards in that sense, but you're going to get a more true, realistic number for your life, right? So then what I would do is look at that number, look at that amount, say it's 5k that I would need to charge per client in order to reach the goals that I want to reach. Okay. How does that feel? And really check in with yourself. Within my skill set currently, within my networking skills, the people I know, what I can offer, how I can present myself, do I feel like I can justifiably offer a 5K package right now? Sometimes the answer is not yet. Sometimes it's like, yeah, I feel like I can. So then what I would do is look at that and say, okay, how can I then justify, quote unquote, justify charging 5k what could i offer tangibly emotionally with my unique skill set experience wise what could i put into a package that would make me feel good selling a package at that rate because here's the thing and this is the part that i think people forget you could literally put any freaking number you want but if you personally don't feel aligned with it you're going to have the worst time selling it 
it's going to feel really out of alignment for you. It's not going to feel good. You're going to feel sleazy. I mean, whatever. Until you are ready to charge a certain number, you're going to have a really hard time attracting people that are willing to pay that. Because I guarantee you, there are people willing to pay whatever number you're having to hang up on. That's not the problem. The problem is if you aren't ready, then you are not going to find those people. Now, I do think I want to put like an asterisk here because I think sometimes when what you're saying, okay, if I realistically can only work with four clients per month and I realistically need to charge 5K and then I have a breakdown moment where I'm like, I can't figure out how I could, with my current skill set, offer this thing for that price. I want you to know that there is a reality in which you can work up to that. Like, if that's not true for you today, okay, at least you know where you need to go. Because, okay, I saw this TikTok and I wanted to like address it because I do think there's some toxic pricing advice floating around the internet where people are like, just double it or charge more or start at this hourly rate or insert anything where they're just blanket telling you what to do. The problem with that is it's not really addressing the real need here. And I'll give you a very tangible example. I heard an example of someone saying, well, you can absolutely make $70 an hour as a VA. And I heard this other lady was like, I think that's dangerous to be telling new VAs that that's true. Okay, but here's the thing. You can charge that amount, but probably not if you're working with that person for a big chunk of hours every single month. If you were specialized in doing project-based work that was a much smaller, specific niche thing, then sure. But if you plan to like work with someone 20 hours a week every single month, you're very unlikely to get that out of the gate. So like, even though you have to wrap your head around value and what you feel comfortable charging, there is still market caps in various industries that you just, you don't want to be naive to. What are you trying to get into? What are you trying to produce? I have 100% paid people way more than that on an hourly rate, but I only needed two hours of their time on a random Tuesday, you know, versus I'm booking you for 40, 60, whatever a month on an ongoing basis. It's just a different kind of relationship. And so If you're ultimately trying to get to a higher price point and feel good about it, I think what you need to start thinking about is less on this hourly shenanigans, more on what can you do that is super specific. Because the more specific you can be with what you offer, the more tangible you can explain the value of what you offer. And thus people can put their own like idea, like they can start to wrap their head around how they can see themselves in this situation. Well, and I think an amazing formula for you to make more money in the beginning, or even when you need just spurts of extra cash is decide what your cap of recurring clients is. And maybe you ask yourself, you say, you know, I'm not the type of person that wants to constantly chase down new leads, new products, or be networking or like starting new projects. That's not how I like to work. I want to have more recurring work. Maybe you're the exact opposite and you get super bored super quickly and you want to have a new project every month, every couple months, right? You have to decide kind of where you're at. But if you're 
able to do a happy blend of the two, you could absolutely have like a baseline minimum of you saying, okay, regardless, every single month, I know coming in the door is going to be this much money. This is how you unlock recurring income as a service-based provider and not have to worry about selling digital products. Have consistent recurring clients on a retainer per like chunks of time that are at, yes, if you do the math, it's going to be at a lower hourly rate, but they're committed to a much bigger chunk of cash spread out over time, like a payment plan, so to speak, right? If you're like in that digital space. And then if you're like, okay, but I know at the holiday time, I want an influx of cash because we're going to be buying presents for the family, or I know we're taking summer vacations or whatever it might be. Okay, decide to take one-off projects in a season of your business that you can charge two, three, four times as much as the hourly rate because you're coming in, you're blitz performing, and you're coming out. Right. Because when you can create a result in a quick period of time, you can charge a lot more than giving someone reoccurring hours. But the reoccurring hours may feel more comfortable because it creates consistency. When we were starting out on our business, just to give you an idea, first of all, I increased my prices 75 times in the first year. So like I went from $75 to what did I get a $2,300 check for my from my next client? <laughs> yeah, there's a big difference here. Okay. So you can like grow into that over time. And that's okay. But I just want you to know, like, even when Emily and I were at our peak of service providing, we had clients that were reoccurring photography clients, we were producing social media graphics, we weren't writing anything, we were just taking photography, we had a set amount that we were delivering. And I want to say we were charging like five or $600 a month, just to produce the photography, but it was batchable, it was easy, it was we knew these clients, like the back of our hand, it wasn't necessarily a ton of work for us, but it created consistency. Our website clients, not that they weren't, <laughs> they were a lot more work, both mentally, like time-wise, but also just like navigating, getting all the pieces you need from them to produce the thing. I will tell you, if you can create a reoccurring service that requires less from your client and is more self-reliant on you just doing the thing, the easier that's going to be for you to produce. With something like a website, you need them to provide copy. You need to provide details. What do they want? What do they need? Like, how does this need to function? What, what, or even if you're providing the copy, they're going to have to fill out the form so you can understand their brand voice, or you're going to have your meetings. Like there's always going to be something that you get from them in order to do your job. You can't just know nothing about a client and produce copy and photos and build a website. It's just not possible. Like you have to get something from them. And in our peak, we were trying charging $10,000 for an all-inclusive service. There's a pretty stark difference between a $500 reoccurring client and a $10,000 service. But those coexisted in the same business and both did not feel unreasonable in, in terms of like... Because if we were able to keep that recurring client for a year, we're making 6K from them. So like if you were not making that much difference on a big project versus consistent income but it takes significantly just different brain powers, time and energy for those two things. Want to learn exactly step-by-step -step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? 
I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get it set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Right. And so you may also work out, well, I can work with more people on a reoccurring basis, if I'm doing this smaller, very specific batchable kind of thing, that's for you to figure out. And all the cool part is, I don't think people tell you this enough. You can try it, hate it, never do it again. You can try it, tweak it, charge more. You can try it, tell someone to fuck off and cancel a project if you absolutely have to. Like, 
you can legally get out of a contract. Like there are ways for all of these things to work out. And I think so often people are scared to take the first step because they're worried, well, I don't know if I can produce this. Well, if you can't, well, and guess what? If you say yes to a big project long-term or blitz or not, and there's a skill that you're getting in the middle and you're like, oh, I promise this, but I can't provide it. Hire someone to come in and do that piece. You're going to make a little less profit, but if you're delivering amazing results and you like maintained an excellent client experience and you delivered wonderfully, then win-win. Right. We have a hundred percent hired people to help support the back end of a product or a service we were offering. And sometimes that was very evident to the people we were working with and sometimes not at all. You don't have to get permission from your client to do that kind of thing. Now, I do think it's important that you include that kind of stuff in contract language that you do have the ability to because they could get weird about it if you're like, pulling the guys over their head. Like for instance, I've seen some shady white dude shit (laughs) where they're like selling a $500 logo and they're really just going on Fiverr and paying some guy in the Philippines five bucks and they're shilling these out. Like, so there are shady ways to go about this. (laughs) I hate white dudes so much. I mean, I'm married to one. It's fine. I'm married to one too. And it offends me every day. I'm sorry if you're a white dude listening to this and you're, you're I'm not. I mean, every word. (laughs) Anyway, there's obviously a responsible way to go about doing this and a really shitty spammy way to go about doing this. Yeah, don't be that version. But I want you to know if you're the person sitting here worried that you're going to do that, you're not going to do that thing. You're not doing that, right? If you're super concerned that that's how you're going to come across, you're already down the road of not doing that. You've already mentally, like, it's just not going to happen, okay? I've very comfortably included uh, web copy, had no interest in providing the web copy, got all the details. So I did the dirty work of like getting the details, but then passed it off to someone that I was very, very sure they were capable of producing the copy. They weren't necessarily someone that should be client facing. They didn't need to interact with the client. But because I did all the work part besides the actual writing, I got to pay them a lot less than if I had them interview the client or I had them interface with the client. So you get to decide what makes sense for you. But let's talk about on the flip side, because ultimately, you're going to come up with some magic number that both fulfills what you need, and you feel currently comfortable with. How on the other side, do we assign value? Like, how do we make sure the client sees value in what we're putting out there? You know, I'm thinking back to my photographer days when, you know, I distinctly remember a family I worked with many, many times and even went out of my quote unquote retirement to still shoot for their family because I love them that much. But they had said in one of our sessions, she was like, I recommended you to a friend of mine. And, you know, I told her she's like the most expensive in town, but, and then words, words, words came after that. And it was really funny to me because I didn't feel bad for being the most expensive in town because of everything she said after that, but was what she was actually paying for. So for me as a service provider, because this is how my brain works, I love to hear that from my clients and customers. I need to hear that feedback for me to be reminded occasionally that they're enjoying what they are getting. So 
because I knew I needed that, I had built in mechanisms to get that feedback from them. Surveys, phone calls, responses, referral cards, conversations. And to me, that was all I needed to be reassured that the value was there and that I could raise my prices honestly more because what I was providing, and this is just a lesson like y'all are going to have to understand within your own product and service. You're not actually providing whatever it is you say that you're providing. You are unlocking so much more for your client than you can even imagine. And I think when we remember, this is going back to the mushy, like how we talk about service providers. What are we here for? What is the word service? You're here to serve. You don't get to decide how that serving impacts your client. You don't. They do. And I think people mistake the service industry to be like the rest, like being a waiter or being a bank teller or being like, you know, even that you're serving, you are changing your client's experience within whatever you're delivering a hamburger. But how did you make them feel? Are they coming back? Are they talking about this experience? I think we just tie ourselves too much into like, I gave them a website. I gave them a photography session. No, you didn't. That's not everything. That's not why they're going to come back to you. No. And I think the thing that we get to learn is that big corporations are doing this all the time all the time. And we don't learn. We just assume that this is just part of the way things go. But like, do you think it's intentional that when you walk into Starbucks, they take your name versus you being a number? No, you are a name for a reason. It creates an experience that allows you to feel like you are part of something. You are part of a community. Think of when y'all freaking me included cry at the Apple commercials every like holiday season when it's like the montage of videos that some three-year-old makes to show their family on Christmas morning using Apple technology. It's tearful. It's emotions. It's memories. It's not a device. Right. Well, and that's the thing is like you paying for this other stuff without even questioning it, which is so fascinating to me. I mean, literally the bizarre way people think for real, you do not question getting a new phone every two years or so. I mean, some people it's every new model and sometimes it's every four years, whatever it is. You don't question that necessarily, but then you go to buy a TV and you're like, eh, I don't know if I can spend that much on TV. And it's like, it's just funny to me because the reason you feel that is because of the relationships these brands have made with you, whether you realize it or not, they could be huge or not. It doesn't matter. These people are building relationships. They're building rapport. So one way to create value is the rapport side is the relationship side. How are you making them emotionally feel throughout the process? Because I think depending on the service you're providing, some people have to lean more into that than other industries. That is not a bad thing. You just need to be aware of it. Like if you're going to have a hard time tying, like for instance, working B2B, say you're working with another business, if you can produce revenue for them, it's really easy to justify why you charge as much as you do. But when you're working B2C and you're coming into someone's home, you best believe the relationship, how you feel. Like, are you safe? Are you comfortable? What are you relieving of them? That is a totally different relationship and thus requires a totally different value stack than when someone is interfacing with another business. And I think it's important that you differentiate 
also you have to realize what do you value and where do you want to shine? Because you may decide, I really don't like people. I don't really want a close relationship with my people. Okay, that's not necessarily a bad thing. There are plenty of people that will pay you to come in, be discreet, disappear, (laughs) and like somehow take something off their plate. There's ways to provide a service that does that pick up drop off. Like, I mean, I can describe a million different industries in which this is the case. But it's your job on the front end for you to illustrate the value more than the actual delivery. Right. The thing that you're delivering. Well, and I also want to remind you guys, kind of going back to like spending habits and how you feel about different places. The examples that we use might not have resonated with you. If you're not like a tech junkie, like we are, like you could give two shits about the newest phone or TV or whatever. So I heard this thing the other day. It's not new at all. I can't remember where I heard it, but it was like in the conversation about like, It was like a money mindset stuff and like poverty mentality or how rich people become rich or something like that. It was like along those lines of the conversation. And it was something like being in abundance, right? Of instead of being like, how much can I save to save $300 a month instead of how much more can I make to make an extra 3000 a month or whatever, right? I would rather be in a place of abundance than be in a place of scarcity. But part of that conversation was how you do this for your own budget like personally, not just like money in your business, making money, but asking yourself, what are the things that you want to spend extravagantly on the things that you love, the things that you want to indulge in? And what are the things that you don't give two shits about that you could always be super frugal on, right? So for example, I absolutely love like coffee, nice coffee, espresso machines, going out and getting coffee. I'm always going to be the indulgent person of that. But the flip side is I don't give a shit what kind of car I drive. Literally don't care. My bumper fell off of my car a year and a half ago. It is still not on my car. I literally don't care. It doesn't bother me. I don't care. So instead of expending extravagantly in all areas of your life, because that comes from a scarcity mindset, not an abundance mindset, spending extravagantly in all aspects, you choose which ones am I going to be frugal in and which ones I'm going to be extravagant. I say that to say, you might've thought about this for you, right? How I wouldn't expend extravagantly on a new website. I wouldn't expend extravagantly on family photos, but your client might. And you don't get to decide if it's their extravagant or their frugal spend. They do. Right. And you're going to be able to find either. Either one. And so you, and I think more often than not, if it's a service that you wouldn't pay for, it's more likely that it's because you're good at it. But you might be great at something and the season of life they're in, they're just like, I love this, but this is just not working for me the way it's currently, whatever. Like you just can't assume all these things about your end client. Now, here's the other part that I think adds a twist to it is we might get really clear on how we can exude value, how we can showcase what we offer in an alternative way to like bulleting out the like, I provide three graphics and this prompt and this, I mean, whatever, you know, like, sure, people need to know what you're actually buying, but they care more about the value you're providing. Okay, all that's well and good. They sign a contract somewhere along the way, the client stops. Okay. 
you may even fulfill it, but for some reason you feel this like weird disconnect from them. Like all of a sudden they're kind of ghosty or maybe they came into your digital product or course and they bought it and they only went through the first couple of modules, but they didn't finish it. I think there's this like huge mind block that if people don't interact in a certain way post-purchase, that somehow that means that we've fucked up or like they haven't gotten the true value and thus we somehow owe them or like whatever. And there's a whole, it really depends on the situation. And there's a lot of things that can go into this. But the most common thing I see people doing is they become bending on what they would do normally versus what they've done in the past. And what I say, what I'm saying by that is, you don't know where they got the value. And you can't assume anything about their experience. So you don't necessarily need to bend whether that means giving a partial refund or just assuming that they didn't get it. Because I feel like I'm going two different ways at the same time. But let me explain. So let's say the client or customer didn't finish a project in the way you would have expected it to. Not that you didn't like deliver, but like it just felt undone in some way, but they never complained once. Okay. I think this is more common than you might think. They could have gotten the value just simply from making the purchase. Like let that sink in for you. Like sometimes people just need in the same way. Okay. You're having a shitty day. You go to Target. You don't really need the thing in the dollar spot, but damn, buying that $3 thing that used to be a dollar, let's not talk about inflation. Buying that thing you don't really need in the Target dollar spot, it's not about the thing you brought home that you didn't need. It was the experience of buying the thing that made you feel better for 15 minutes. You know what I'm saying? We do this shit all the time and think it's okay and justify it to ourselves. But then we forget that other people also do this. People will buy high-end courses, masterminds. People will spend sometimes upwards of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. I mean, it's even houses. Like people will buy really fucking expensive houses and they didn't need any of it, but it just needed to make them feel a certain way in the moment, which sounds absolutely bananas to someone who's like, this is my livelihood. I'm working so hard. Why are they not interacting with me? If they're not unhappy, they got the value they needed, which is just like mind blowing. Now, obviously, things are a little bit different if things go south in some capacity, and then they start asking for a refund. I think that's a whole other situation in which you have to self-respect yourself and understand what you've provided and the value you've offered. And you get to make your own decisions about how you operate in that situation. But even if you didn't fully deliver a project, that doesn't mean you didn't max out your price and you don't owe them nothing back. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And (laughs) I feel like we threw a lot at you today. But basically, to kind of wrap all this up, summarize it up, I think that we... A, I want you to be working backwards in the sense of what's the price point that you need instead of starting on where you think you can charge today. Knowing that that price can change literally tomorrow. It can go up or down, whatever floats your boat. 
And I really encourage you to start practicing removing your self-worth, your satisfaction measurements from the work that your clients or customers are doing or how they're interacting with your product or service. You don't get to decide if it's their luxury spend or their frugal spend. You don't get to decide what made it valuable for them. You only show up in the way that you can and serve in your best capabilities and provide what you know is the best to provide today. And outside of that, it is literally not in your control. So happy releasing of these emotions and expectations. If you had any aha moments from today's episode, please share them with us over on Instagram at Boss Project. We read those DMs every single day and would love to chat with you. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.